0: Warning, this podcast may prove to be damaging to the comfort of closely held presuppositions. Remember to practice Acts 17.11 and examine the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. Greetings friends, welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. Website is www.scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. That's where you go to find the archives and all of those things, scriptureandprophecy.com. Today we are resuming our study in the book of 1 Samuel as one of our goals for this year is to get through the Kings. So that would be 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. We're going to be looking at chapters 5 and 6 today. Now, just to recap from last week, uh, the Israelis went, uh, they got into a little fight or a war, a small war with the Philistines in which uh, they were losing and they brought out the Ark of God thinking that that was going to somehow bring them some kind of luck and uh, they were defeated and the Philistines took the Ark. Um, Also, the judgment was pronounced. Um, on Eli's sons and they were uh, killed in this fight um, and then Eli himself died as was part of the judgment and so that's kind of where we're left here and Samuel has finally become uh, the priest or the prophet of Jehovah. so that is where we are and the story takes uh, picks up Uh, With the Philistines, and they have the Ark of God, and they make a mistake into taking it, right? And uh, they're about to find out who the one true God really is, and uh, the one true God's power over their false god. And uh, in this particular story, it's the false god Dagon. Let me read the first two uh, verses here, and then I'll tell you a little bit about who Dagon was. Or at least in the eyes of the Philistines. We'll be reading from the King James Bible, of course. First two verses real quick here. And the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the Ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Alright, so to start our study this morning, they bring the Ark of God... They bring it into this temple uh, dedicated to the god Dagon. Now, Dagon was like a fish god. And in fact, in Hebrew, the word dog is fish. Dog. Sounds like dog uh, is a fish. And so, Dagon, a fish god. Now, here's just a little bit of background about that Dagon or Dagon was a West Semitic god of crop fertility. Worshipped extensively throughout the ancient Middle East, Dagon was the Hebrew and Uyghartic common noun for grain, and the god Dagon was the legendary inventor of the plow. Okay, this is their this is their uh, mythology here. His cult is attested as early as about 2500 BC, and according to texts found in the Rosh Shamra, He was the father of the god Baal. Dagon had an important temple at Ras Shemara and in Palestine, where he was particularly known as the god of the Philistines. He had several sanctuaries, including those at Beth Dagon, Asher, Gaza, and Ashdod. Now, of course, Ashdod is the sanctuary that we're speaking of specifically in our study today. And uh, so anyway, I bring that up just so you understand a little bit more about who the Philistines saw this god as he was a fish god. If you're watching a YouTube video, I'll throw a few images up there. You've seen images like this before, um, most likely. Uh, but they also saw him as the god of crops, right? And they—they they, myth, the mythology was that he invented the plow and that he was the father of Baal. Okay. So there's just a little background uh, on that for you so let's start over and finish and just read our story for this morning and the philistines took the ark of god and brought it from ebenezer unto ashdod when the philistines took the ark of god they brought it into the house of dagon and set it by dagon and when they of ashdod arose early on the morrow behold Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him up in his place again. And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and the both of the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. So this false... God statue Dagon that they have before the ark is fallen over and then the next morning it's fallen over again and this time it's broken pieces. Let that just be to all who worship false gods that even the false gods will bow down to Yehovah. Therefore neither the priest of Dagon nor any that came into Dagon's house Tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod unto this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them at Ashdod, and he destroyed them and smote them with emroids, even Ashdod and the coast thereof. And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of the God of Israel shall not abide with us, for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. They sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, What shall we do with the ark of God of Israel? And they answered, Let the ark of God of Israel be carried about unto Gath. And they carried the ark of God of Israel about thither. And it was so that they had carried it about. The hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he smote the men of the city, both small and great, and they had hemorrhoids, in their secret parts. I think that goes without description needed, right? Uh, we're all we all get uh, what's come upon them as a curse. Um, I just want to remind you that even in verse five, the Philistines acknowledge that the God of Israel is more powerful than their God. Look at verse five again. Therefore neither the priest of Dagon nor any came into Dagon's house and tread upon the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod unto this day. Um, and then when we get to uh, verse 7, he says, And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of God of Israel shall not abide with us. In other words, they're saying, we got to get this out of here. For his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. Verse 10. Therefore, they sent the ark of God to Ekron, and it came to pass... As the Ark of God came to Ekron, that the Ekronites cried out, saying, They have brought about the Ark of God of Israel to us, to slay us and our people. So they sent and they gathered together all the lords of the Philistines, and said, Send away the Ark of God of Israel, and let it go again to his own place, that it slayest not in our people, for there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there, and the men that died not were smitten, were with, and the men that died not were smitten with emroids, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Chapter 6 And the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priest and the div- diviners, saying, What shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us, wherewith shall we send it to his place? And they said, If ye send it away, the ark of God of Israel, send it not empty. But in any wise, return him a trespass offering. Then ye shall be healed, and it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then said they, What shall be the trespass offering which we shall return to him? They answered, Five golden emroids and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For one plague was on you all, and on your lords. Wherefore, you shall make images of your emroids and images of your mice that mar the land. And you shall give glory unto God of Israel. Peradventure, he will lighten his hand from off you and from off your gods and from off your land. All right, so they're going to make these golden offerings, five of emroids and five of mice, which just... Kind of lens that one of the plagues that must have been happening to them other than the emroids, was the was mice it's mice and an infestation right so God has been bringing this upon them for seven months now and they're just trying to figure out how to remove the anger of Yehovah from them and how to get this ark away from them and out of their possession. verse six Wherefore then? Do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts when he had wrought wonderfully among them? Did they not let the people go, and they departed? Again, let's take a note of this. It's interesting that the legend of what took place in Egypt, where God brought the plagues, and it was the great exodus of Israel, that this story is well known among the Philistines. It's interesting that they know that, the, that the, the, the God of Israel exists. They're seeing the plagues that are upon them with the ark. They see what happened to their God, Dagon, as he fell on his face and broke in half. And yet, they don't submit to the God of Israel or worship the God of Israel. They, they still have their own Philistine gods. I feel like that's just a common theme throughout all the earth, even today. People have seen the power of our God. They've seen what we can do in the name of Jesus. They've seen the transformation of people. And yet, they refuse to acknowledge him or worship him as God. It's very, very interesting. I mean, they know the story of the great Exodus. They're saying we shouldn't be like Pharaoh. We shouldn't be like Egypt and harden our hearts. Very interesting. Verse 7. Now therefore, make a new cart and take two milk kine on which there hath come no yoke and tie the kine to the cart and bring their calves home from them. And take the ark of the Lord and lay it upon the cart. And put the jewels of gold, which ye return him for a trespass offering, in a coffer by the side thereof, and send it away that it may go. And see if it goeth up by the way of his own coast to Beth Shemesh. Then he hath done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that smote us. It was was a chance that happened to us. And the men did so. And he took two milk kine and tied them to a cart and shut up their calves at home. And they laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart and the coffer with the mice and gold and the images of their emroids, And the kine took straight away to the way of Beth Shemesh and went along the highway lowering as they went and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them unto the border of Beth Shemesh. And they of Bethshemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. And the cart came into the field of Joshua, a Bethshemite, and stood there, where there was a great stone, and the calf of the wood of the cart and offered the kine of a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the coffer that was with it, wherein the jewels of gold were. And put them in a great stone, and the men of Bethshemoth offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices the same day unto the Lord. And when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. And these are the golden emeroids which the Philistines returned for trespass offerings unto the Lord, for Ashdod one, for Gaza one, for Ashkelon one, for Gath one, and for Ekron one. And the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines belonging to the five lords, both of fenced cities and of country villages, even unto the great stone of Abel, whereon they set down the ark of the Lord, which the stone remaineth unto this day in the field of Joshua, the Bethshemite. And he smote the men of Bethshemesh, because they had looked unto the ark of the Lord. Even he smote of the people fifty thousand and threescore and ten men, and the people lamented, because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. Let's read that again, because it's a pretty significant amount of people that were judged. And he smote the men of Beth Shemesh, because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Even he smote of the people fifty thousand and threescore and ten men. And the people lamented, because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. And the Ben of Meshemesh said, Who is able to stand before his holy Lord God, and to whom shall go up from us? And he sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kirjath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it up to you. And that is the end of chapter 6. Let's go ahead and read chapter seven real quick too. Uh, we got a little bit of time, so let's just go ahead. I haven't pre-read that, but we'll go ahead and read it. Um, but basically, again, these people acknowledge the the God of Israel and the power. They say, "Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God?" And to whom shall he go up from us? And they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kajarath-Jeram, saying, The Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it up to you. All right. Chapter 7, 17 verses, and then we'll be finished. And the men of Kajarath-Jeram came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and, and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kajarath-Jeram, That the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. So keep that in mind, it's been twenty years that the ark has been missing from Israel. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. And the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and serve the Lord only. Something that's coming to my mind as I'm reading this, friends. You know, Israel is at a point of great idolatry. They are under the thumb of, other, of another nation the Philistines. And yet, there's still hope for them if they would simply return to the God of Israel and put away their false idol worship. I think this is God's attitude towards his people. And even today, we see ourselves under the thumb of wickedness. Great sin throughout all the nation. And it seems like It's just impossible. There's nowhere to go but down. And yet I still believe that if the church here in the United States of America, if the remnant of God would pray diligently, would lament, would seek God's face, would begin to preach righteousness and holiness again in the pulpits, would begin to evangelize and call people to the only hope that can be found, which is Jesus Christ, not politicians and people. We've got to put away our worship of political figures. It's ridiculous and it will get us nowhere. And just like the Israelites, if they would, if they turn back to God and they put away their idols God will restore them. Let's get back to the text. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together in Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fastened on that day. And they said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together in Mizpeh, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said unto Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord for our God cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried out unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And Samuel was offering up the burnt offering the the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines, and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpeth, and pursued the Philistines, and smote them until they came under Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone, and set it between Mizpeh and Shin, and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto... Hath the Lord helped us? So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron even to Gath, and the coast thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines, and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And Samuel judged all Israel in all the days of his life. And he went from year to year in the circuit of Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and judged Israel in all those places. And his return was to Ramah, for there was his house. And there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. And that is chapter 7, and I don't know about you, but, uh, this these last few verses really kind of kind of hit me you know it was looking bleak right israel's all gathered in one place and the philistines are getting ready to take advantage of that and they had just turned back to the lord and that was the whole point of gathering there was to to cry out to the lord and they see this coming and they have finally the right response which is samuel cry out to God for us. The response was to cry out to God that God would save them. And what does God do? He honors their faith. They turned back to him and he honors it. And, he, and even though it looks impossible, he does a supernatural thing. And Samuel was offering up the burnt offering. The Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered With a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines. That could be our story. If only we would cry out to God. If only God's people would get serious about God. If you're wondering why I'm being silent, I'm trying to make decisions on certain things that are coming into my mind, if they should be said or not. You know, I made a comment, I'll just go ahead and say it at my own risk, and then we'll wrap up the podcast. Uh, before 2020, all this happened, uh, 2000, I guess it was 2019, I was on an In Times uh, radio show, and I put the audio up for you guys and I made a very controversial comment in that podcast uh, when I was being interviewed and I said look people are going to get upset when I say this and I said but listen to my whole statement before you start making judgments and I said the church was better off under Barack Obama than it is under Donald Trump and then I said now hold on Not because Barack Obama was good, because he was an Antichrist figure. The reason I made that statement was because during those years, the church saw what was happening and began to awaken and began to pray and began to resist. And then Trump gets into office and and the church goes right back to sleep, even though the same policies that were detrimental to the church continued. And the same policies that were detrimental to the country continued many of them and so here we are again and i'm not i don't care about politics because i just i, I don't put my faith in men and so i could i don't want to say i could care less cuz that's not true but it's definitely not where i put my hope and trust and i was one of the few who weren't on the train uh that prophesying that trump would be president again and all that i don't want to get into all that because i don't care about politics my point is is that we're about to go into challenging years again and maybe the church will actually wake up this time and i think that it's either it's either wake up or face destruction i think that is where we are and so maybe the church will wake up And maybe it'll seek God and maybe the remnant will cry out and maybe God will do some amazing miracles in our day. That is my hope and my prayer. And uh, I'm sure that people will not listen to everything I just said and only take some sound bites and get really, really upset and come to the comments because I've been doing this for seven years and people write comments when they have no idea what I've actually said. And so I, that's why I was pondering, should I say this or should I not? But I have no problem just saying, stop putting your faith in, uh, in, uh, in these elected politicians who aren't really even elected in many cases. They're selected. If that's what your hope is, you're going to be greatly disappointed. Only Jesus. That is the only way this thing turns around is if, we come together under the name of Yeshua, under the name of Jesus, and worship the one true God and repent of sin, and put away our idolatry, put away our filth, and opt out of the beast system. That's the only way things get better. That's the only way we'll experience what the Israelites experienced here in chapter seven, when there was a great thunder from God. That smote their enemies. Alright. I hope I haven't said too much. That is the podcast for this morning. I pray you've been blessed and encouraged and strengthened in your faith. If you think this podcast is important and worth supporting, then please consider doing so. Scriptureandprophecy.com, donate and support tab at the top. You could also pick up a copy of the End of Days to End of Days, a 30-day devotional it very very it'll be very very encouraging and informative to you peace and grace be with all of you until next time god bless